Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Action for Everyone for this here, September 4th, 2022. I am, as always, your host, Mike Scott. As you heard in our intro, uh, one of our esteemed co-hosts, the inimitable Vice Victus, is down with the sick nuts. And uh, unfortunately, he's got the COVID and he is not joining us today. He's feeling okay for anybody that's worried. Uh, he's actually got very mild symptoms, but he, as you know, listening to him, he does tend to get a little worked up on this show and he was, he, he wanted to just take it easy today, which certainly we appreciate, but we still have Liam O'Donnell. Liam, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thank you, Mike. Uh, I saw you were out camping in, in Utah in, in Yuba that looked quite, uh, picturesque and beautiful. Did you have a nice time? Uh, sort of. Yes. Uh, here's the thing. One, well, two things. One, I am not a camper. My wife is a big time camper. This was for her. And I did have fun. We did have the, the thing that was a game changer for me is we actually bought a cot for the tent, uh, uh, because I do not enjoy sleeping on the ground and the cot was a game changer. I slept great. I, I had one of the best nights sleep I've ever had, to be honest with you. The biggest problem is, um, Yuba is normally one of the most beautiful lakes in Utah and uh, climate change is real kids. It looks like a mud puddle. Now um, we, we literally, 
you can't uh, the the boat ramps where you normally launch a boat. We don't have a boat, but the boat ramp is honestly about twenty five feet out of the water. That's how right. far down the lake has uh, has sunk. So that part was a little despondent. But the rest of it, we had a good time. We cooked some brats, cooked some dogs. Uh, both of us drank entirely too much. Uh, we were in this really isolated campsite, so we didn't even have anybody around us. So. Um, I, as people know, you know, I enjoy peeing outside. I got to pee freely. I didn't have to worry about it. Uh, so it was, uh, it was, it was a good time. It was a good time. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Liam, how's your weekend been so far? Uh, it's so hot here that I'm just actually getting work done. So that's the positive part of, of climate change. I'm just staying in my air conditioned office and I'm actually, uh, writing a lot. I've been writing a lot the past, uh, couple weeks. Uh, I feel like, uh, finally, the pandemic rust is completely off. So uh, it's got, not not bad in, uh, for that, you know. Good, good. Getting those getting those words on the paper. That's which, right. Uh, which, speaking of that, uh, our guest, our guest this week uh, is somebody who is uh, famous for putting lots of words on lots of papers. Uh, he is one of the most prolific screenwriters currently working in in action and movies. He is one of my favorite screenwriters and has written some movies that we're going to we're going to definitely going to talk about. Chad Law, Chad, how the hell are you today, man? Dude, it's it's good to be here. That was a that was a I don't know if famous works, but I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to go almost famous. <laughs> almost famous. Certainly prolific. I think it would be prolific. I'll go with that. Yeah. 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 You don't even need to say in action. You just say like most prolific, period, because infamous. It's infamous. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, Chad, for people who uh, who maybe are less familiar with your work, why don't you tell tell us start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I'm a screenwriter slash producer, sort of uh, only by default, but uh, that's just like sort of means to an end the producing part, as Liam and I have talked about in the past, and and pretty much every sort of independent filmmaker that I know sort of becomes a producer. I don't call my like I have to call myself a producer, but only because the credits like kind of exist. But like I really predominantly see myself as a as a screenwriter and then i i made i start i'm a i guess my first script was hero wanted back in 2007 and it be long the short of it is, is i was like a frustrated horror screenwriter i wrote a bunch of horror scripts um nobody bought anything i was eating ramen noodles sleeping on an actor buddy's couch and um i said fuck it i'm gonna try something else and I wrote what I thought was a crime drama and what Millennium Films thought was an action movie and added more explosions and machine guns. And then I became the action guy. And here we are. I'm so, not mad at him. I'm not complaining, no, by the way. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Tell, tell us what the experience was working with uh, Millennium kind of in, in, the, in that heyday. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was weird because like, um, first of all, the check was great because I went from like zero to like, hey, here's six figures. What? Yeah. Where'd that come from? And and. So that was like unexpected. But on top of that, the movie, this was back when they would literally pre-sell the pre-sell market for is, is where they, you know, sell the movies to foreign countries to use the money to make them. Um, back then you could pre-sell a whole movie before you made it. That's, you could still do it, but the market, as I understand it, is quite a bit different today. It sucks. So back then, the, the numbers yeah. were so awesome back then. Like fucking Skyline pre-sold for $8 million, like like with no actors at all. Wait. And now it's like to get to $8 million, you'd need like Jerry Butler. It's insane. Yeah, we, and, and see, and that was the thing. We had Cuba Gooding Jr. and Ray Liotta. Rest in peace, Ray Liotta. Um, 
And when I landed on the plane in Bulgaria, they were like, the movie's in the green. We made our money back. And we hadn't filmed a thing. And it was just like, so, I, you know, did we still make it? That was my concern. It was like, would we still make the movie? And then everybody said, yeah. And, and anyway, um, and yeah, we, we shot Sofia, Bulgaria for somewhere in the United States, which was fascinating. And I, I remember thinking, like, watching them make the movie, like, fuck, they're ruining everything. But who am I to say this? Like, because I, you know, like, I've never made a movie before. I'm only going with, you know, I'm like Mark Wahlberg in the Pain and Gain It. I've seen a bunch of movies. You know, I know what I'm talking about. And and I'm thinking, fuck, they're ruining it. But everybody's, everybody there has made a bunch of movies, uh, for real. And then I saw the movie, and I still agreed with my opinion. Um, however, I feel like shit saying that, because a lot of people have come to me over time and, and liked the movie. So now, now I'm less you know, weird about sort of my own opinion on what things should just be what they are. Right. Like, right. I, you know, I had a real hard movie fanboy opinion of what my own movie should be and what, what it was and what it was not in my mind. Sure. And then I realized that it just became, you know, something that some people absolutely hated. And I had a lot of fun reading the internet, you know, um, and reading like why I should never work again and all these things that, you know, the internet so kindly will tell you all the time. But then on the <laughs> flip side of that, there were people who who I found over time and even the people you'd see on the internet who are like, this movie's amazing. And I'm sitting there going, fuck, did we watch the same movie? But they like the movie. So it's like, you know, and I, I don't I don't dislike the movie. I'm just, you know, I'm hard on it because, you know, it's like your firstborn child or whatever. Right. Um, and it's, you know, when it turns out differently. But like like I said, these things you kind of get used to over time and you become less, uh, I don't less, know. Less precious. Less precious, less judgmental. And at the same time, who am I to say what someone's opinion is of something I made, whether I helped make it or not? Like, if somebody loves it or somebody hates it, great. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I don't I, make I, it. I and, and agree. Yeah, I, I have, I've washed my hands of it after a certain point. I mean, I can still have my own opinion on it, just like I would, you know, fucking whatever movie came out this week that I watched, you know. But it's just an opinion. They're like assholes. Everybody has one. Well, and it it got you it got your foot in the door, right? I mean, you It did. It did. And and I sound like I sound like a bitch complaining about it. Like it's just like No, no. You know, I, you you've listened to the show before. I go on yeah. long whiny tirades. It's part of uh, it's part of our lives. You sound way better than me. Don't worry about it. And the funny it. thing is is I I don't I'm not really I've actually like grown to like the movie in ways that I didn't before, which is also something that time sort of you know, time heals all wounds kinds of thing. But it was just, you know, you have this you have this sort of grandiose vision. I think I think that's true of a lot of filmmakers if they're lucky enough to even become filmmakers, which is like one in a million sort of in itself. Right. But I think a lot of people have this. I'm the next or I'm going to be bigger than fill in the blanks. And so you have this sort of like level that you put yourself on. And then when you see your first movie and it's not as good as, you know, true romance or whatever. Then right. you're like, fuck, I'm not Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. What happened? I guess I'll quit. And then you don't quit. And then, you know, whatever. And you hopefully and, you know, you, you hopefully live and fight another day. And that's that's pretty much where I'm at right now. But like so from from this place, you know, because I wanted to talk about the Millennium Heyday where, 
you know, what what was the budget for that movie? Like seven million. It's like nobody nobody really knows. Nobody really knows. (laughs) Yeah, but it it still probably had a robust schedule. Yeah, yeah. it 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 was still like a like I want to say it was like it was different than the schedules now. So it was over thirty days. Right. It was um a real cat. I mean, we had you know like Tommy. We had a great cast: Norman Reedus, Tommy Flanagan, um, uh, Gene Smart was in the movie like all these people who were filling out the fifth and sixth roles um like it was it was it was uh, it was seriously like the best film school i could have gotten let's put it that way for sure like i really feel like i learned more on that movie than i could than i did you know anything i did coming into trying to make movies it also sort of like taught me sort of the business that i'm still in right which is you know don't use that guy use this guy don't write don't do that you can't kill the guy at the end they won't buy it in germany or uh, whatever, like, you know, whether these are good habits to have or not, they are things that keep, you know, keep me selling and making movies. Yeah. So, so you're going from, from these movies and I, I know uh, Mike wants to, I, I, I'll save it. Mike, what's your, what's your next line of question? Because uh, I, I'm super fascinated on, on kind of how on, all through these years and all these movies you've been doing, you've been doing this kind of invisible job that a lot of people don't understand, which is you write things that can be shot. And when you read a lot of green scripts from people, um, it's even just the way they will describe what is happening within an action scene. Like sometimes they'll have a group of characters go from point A to point B, and then they'll go back to a point C and then go back to point B all within one scene. And you're like, that's just a fucking pain in the ass to shoot do you understand yeah, yeah. that the cameras yeah. have to go over here and over there like you, you're fucking it up and and right when, when you, yeah <laughs> when you read a chad script it's like it, you, you've thought about so much uh it does feel like you're you're watching a movie at least in my head when i read your scripts but it is like uh some of those things that that people don't appreciate and that some fucking guy on an internet message board would never have any comprehension of yeah. is that these, the scripts are blocked and uh, and and uh, that's one of those things that you know some of the the fans of our show will ask about action writing, and it's kind of like you just need to do a lot less than you think you do. Like stop yeah. trying to over, uh, you know, orchestrate these scenes and 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 make it clear and make their their objectives simple within the scenes. And then when you're on set, get complicated. Right. Save that Bruckheimer enemy the state shit for Bruckheimer, and you know let him zip around into space and everywhere else, and you stay right here. Right. Well, that actually perfectly leads into kind of, I guess, because I, I, I don't want to just go through every movie you've ever done. I mean, I could, honestly, oh, sure, please. I could no. sit here and keep you for, <laughs> for 20 hours. But right. one of the things I, I put out the question to some friends uh, about a lot of your scripts, and I think it ties into what Liam was saying okay. here. Um, and it's going to tie us into, I think, ultimately talking, wanting to talk to you about what I think has been kind of, at least as a fan, one of your most fruitful partnerships, which is working with Bill Kaufman. And, uh, and so there is a, we've got a friend, he's a, he's a big listener of the show. He's, he's kind of like a secondary member of the show. His name's Chris Barreras. He's a former military, just like vice. And Chris is really, uh, borderline obsessed with tactical accuracy in action films. And uh, one of the things I'm actually going to release alongside this, the episode I'm pulling back an old uh, Adkins undisputed episode that I never released on Jarhead three that I did with him, where we spend a good bulk of talking about that on sort of the authenticity of 
that movie. Uh, you know, it's it's not. And I always distinguish when I talk to people the difference between realism and authenticity, because we're talking about movies. They're inherently unrealistic, but something unrealistic can still be authentic. And, and Chris was absolutely blown away by the way the soldiers in Jarhead 3 talked and interacted and how they felt like real soldiers. For you, where where does that come from? Is that from working with Kaufman? Is that something that you have in your own background? Because that's one of the things that I'm always amazed about with your movies is how authentic they feel. Um, I think, well, first of all, Kaufman, it definitely helps with this. Kaufman is former military. He was in, I did not, I'm not former military, but I've seen a bunch of movies, Rambo included. Um, I don't know. I don't know any of that stuff for real, but what, what we, what I have done through Kaufman and through other filmmakers that I've worked with is become friends with a lot of tech advisors and people who really do know shit. And if I'm writing something, that feels like I don't know what I'm saying. I'll just say, Hey, here's what I'm trying to say. How do you say this? And then they'll say, Oh, I would just say this like, and you go, okay. And that's the line. And so some of that is because it is authentically stolen by me. <laughs> well, but that, that I think is brilliant. I mean, I, I think one of the things with one, and, and I'm not a screenwriter, you know, I, uh, but, but I think one of the things to the key to being a good writer, I, my day job, I am a lawyer. And as Liam knows, one of the things that pisses me off to no end is legal shows. I, I can barely right. watch most of them because I can absolutely tell that a lot of times the writers don't know what they don't know. And, right. and the lack of ego that it takes to say, hey, I don't actually know this. So I'm just going to ask somebody smarter than me and steal what they tell me uh, is I think it's a really commendable trait. Um, but Tying into Jarhead 3 and what Liam was saying about you. I was just going to say, Mike, that's why I just write sci-fi nonsense so no one can tell me what's right or wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I've also, and like, you know, having worked with actors, I've realized that a lot of times if you don't have these answers, the actors will have the questions. Working with good actors, they'll say, why would I say this? Or what does this mean? And I don't ever want to be behind. I was in my first movie. I didn't have answers for things that actors would say. Why would I say this? I'd be like, because it sounds cool, you know? Like, I don't know. Right. And that's not a good answer. Um, I don't know. I like the line that they don't want to hear that shit. Good actor doesn't anyway. They go, yeah, okay, fuckhead. Um, you know why would I say that? And so, so I always wanted to try to stay a step ahead of the actors so that you're not in that situation again where you're like, I don't know what that means or what you'd really say or if that's authentic or now I can say this means this and it's because we asked so and so. Do you want to talk to the tech advisor? Uh, do you want to talk to you know? former Spetsnaz guy or whatever, you know, and see like how he would do this. Um, so to me, it's like kind of trying to be a step ahead of that moment on set where somebody goes, I don't get it. <laughs> I was just, just turn it back on them. And like, well, what do you think? And then they, it's like, can we change it to an A to a the? And they're like, genius, let's go. We pronounce that the. <laughs> 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 um well and that that is one of the things with what liam was saying about jarhead 3 is is so you know that obviously when jarhead 3 came out i i watched it because i was already at that point a giant scott adkins fan yeah. um but obviously that's a movie that's a type of movie it's a dtv sequel to a major hollywood production it has no relation to it whatsoever clearly is coming <laughs> out because clearly is coming out because of 13 hours. I mean, it's kind of coming out around the same time, but I was absolutely stunned going back to what Liam said about how you write shit that can be shot, how incredibly 
well done for the minimal resources that that movie clearly had, uh, how tense and still contained that movie was. Um, and, and, and most of that, though, I'm, that's Kaufman. Kaufman is like, uh, he just, he really knows how to do action and tension. And he really is good with just the act. Like a lot of, like when I'm doing a movie with Kaufman, I'm just like, ah, you want to change something? I, you're fine now. Go ahead. I know it's going to work. Whereas some people, if I haven't worked with you or I don't, I tend to be like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I trust this guy or, oh, can you talk to me about it or whatever? But like with Kaufman now, it's just like, yeah, go make the movie, dude. I'll be over here eating crafty. So last night I watched uh, Daylight's End. Uh, which, yeah, thanks. And, and uh, really enjoyed it. And my big question for you guys on that, like, did you have that location with the, the rooftop pool before you wrote it? Or like, how did... How did that movie come together? Yeah, so 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 that what's funny about that movie? First of all, that's one of the movies that I will not be hard on. I'm really proud of it. We didn't have very much money. Um, we didn't have much time. We didn't have much anything. Um, well, tell me the time. What was the schedule on that? Because it's well, it's, a, it's a lot of movie. Sch- yeah, yeah, but the schedule. I, look, I don't remember the exact amount of days because it was sort of like it wasn't all a traditional shoot. It was like when we can, we will. So we shot like half, like, you know, I don't know, like 10 days. And then we broke for five months or something. And finally can't, we're able to come back and get the cast back. We did basically because we ran out of money. Right. So it was like, Oh, I guess we should, cause it was all equity. It wasn't like, you know, somebody pre-sold something or somebody gave us a bucket of money. It was all uh, a a private investor. Yeah. Um, And, but it came about because, you know, Will called me and was like, you know, we want to do a zombie movie. And I was like, Ugh, that's, that's terrible. That sounds like a terrible idea. Like, are we going to do like Resident Evil, you know? And then I thought about it and I thought about like, Will going off and making a movie without me. And, you know, I didn't want that to happen. Um, <laughs> and, and so I was like, okay, let's do it. Um, and eventually, you know, we sat down to write it. Look, the, the, the original draft of the script is still different than what you saw. Like we had a, this was before World War Z, but we had like the helicopter thing that the helicopter lands on the roof and takes off while zombies are jumping after it. And then it was like, Oh, okay. We can't get the helicopter. Um, <clears throat> we can't jump off this roof, you know? So, so there were a lot of things that changed, but for the most part, we always knew we were, we knew what locations we had or yeah. close to that rooftop location was crazy i was like wow you know because that's that's always the thing that i key on and i'm yeah. like wow you guys really had the run of this place and um that was an abandoned like five-star hotel in somewhere in texas just so it's, cool it's there and i think they've i think they've since remodeled it and opened it oddly enough Don't oh there you go it's a great great state. vacation yeah. for action fans yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the daylight go, go stay there and watch where we yeah um but no like i was really happy with the way that movie turned out we 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 took that to a bunch of, you know, festivals and like, you know, little premieres and showings. And it was a lot of fun watching it with people just not because I think, I don't think it's like groundbreaking in any way, but that's also like, we didn't really like set out to break ground. We just wanted to like do a good version of what we thought Mad Max meets like zombies is. You yeah. Know? And, and like Mike said, like with real tactical on zombies, right. um, well, are they zombies or vampires? They're zampires, right? They're zompires. Zompires. <laughs> zompires. That's what I call it. I call them zompires. 
Um, my wife said that last night. She's like, so they're like they're like vampires, and so yeah, zompires, uh, yeah, I'm glad you like zompires. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, which was you know, which is you know, not completely unlike like I am Legend or something, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. And but we we kind of knew like when we were doing it, we just were like kind of doing like like the fanboy version of something we thought we could do really well. Um, but it, we knew that it was had elements of these other things in it. And that was, I guess, sort of the fun for me. That's sort of the fun for me, like, when I do any movie, though, for that matter. Like, I know we're all supposed to be, you know, Christopher Nolan and make something you've never seen before. Um, but I don't do that. <laughs> That's just not, like, like I mean, I, everything I do is coming from some mental homage place of, like, even if it's a movie I saw as a kid when, you know, like I'll think like oh they should do something with Maniac Cop and then I'll realize that great filmmakers actually are and I go fuck okay that's not the one but then there, there's just these stories that sort of like and, and it's not to say that it's all the same it's all different right but you are taking like bits and pieces and morsels of of things that sort of stick with you and you're kind of um you know writing from that point point of view like I want to do something like Rambo you're not going to fucking write Rambo but you you do sort of have a mental picture of what your own Rambo is going to be, right? And it's going to be different, and it's going to get it's going to have a different concept, it's going to have a different character, but there's still going to be things that remind you of you know Rambo or, uh, I, or or other movies that you you know. I love that you said this because this is a thing that has stopped me from finishing scripts in in the past. Like uh, it, used, it used to stop me. So I had yeah. a script um, that that I was developing in 2019. I, I was doing pretty well in 2020. And it's just like, it's been sitting on the back burner and it is not, it's not groundbreaking, but it, it's like, it's very good version of what it is. And I think I would, I'll get frustrated that, that my action scenes aren't uh, as inventive as I want them to be in my head on this draft. But if you do that, like you're not going to finish it. And by finishing it, you can start to put things together and you can start to you know separate itself further down the line but if you keep that pressure on yourself like i, I was talking to chad this week um you know my, my wife uh is also a screenwriter um she's been trying to get her this movie based off a short that we made in, in 2018 made and she um you know is is submitting the script uh so i've been you know editing for her and stuff the past week and she's like is that does that feel too like familiar too insidious in this beat and i was like Yes, but that's a good thing yes, <laughs> because yes. Insidious works. And like, right. that, I was like, oh, that that's part of the formula and the trope. Like that actually works and it's going to help you and make people go, oh, right. This is filmable. This is a movie. So th those little things like that, if it, 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 you know, it, don't let it discourage you. Um, it's actually kind of means that you're you're right where you should be. And, and also as far as action scenes go, like I've seen action scenes get worse and better from what the script is but they always change no matter how inventive i am on the page that location we will not find unless i know what that location is ahead of time so then it'll be like well i'd love to do that you know that battle between two cliffs that you have but we only have right. flat ground here in oklahoma so we got to change it <laughs> and then you go oh damn there went the you know there went the whole movie uh, but no, like, like to me, like as long as I know sort of the beats and what the action should be. And then when you're working with a director like Kaufman and a lot of the 
um, you know, the, the stunt guys and stunt, stunt second unit directors and stunt teams that we've put together on these now, like these, these aren't, you know, they're, they're making the movie too. Like they're going, Hey, watch this and what I can do. And you go, fuck. And it's something you would never write. <laughs> like John Wick, John Wick in the script, you know, he says he shoots a bunch of dudes. That's none of the shit that we like in John Wick. <laughs> right. He, sh- he shoots and kicks guys. And you see the movie and you see what shoots and kicks is and you go, damn, he shoots and kicks guys. But yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's with, the filmmakers. Without not, a doubt. You know, I'm not taking anything away from Derek, but, th- you know, there's a lot that goes on beyond what I or Derek do to, you know, a movie. Or a director for that matter. Like, Kaufman will work with good stunt people, stunt teams, and the movie sort of takes on a life of its own. And I guess that's also sort of like what I like about action filmmaking is like, I know I don't have all the answers and I know this is going to hopefully take on something greater than what, you know, page five says. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I love because I I am for people listening. If you haven't watched it, uh, I would say, I don't know. I don't know. You don't necessarily need to agree with this, Chad, but I would tell people listening, if you're unfamiliar with Chad's work, Daylight's End is absolutely the movie to to start with. Uh, I I think that movie is and and that is one of the other things that that, you know, you brought because uh, Daylight's End is as great as it is. I don't know that it's as great as it is if uh, Kaufman doesn't cast Johnny. You know, I mean, Johnny is Johnny manages to, like, carry that entire movie on his shoulders. Um, he's Mad Max. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, and, and Leon from I remember the first time I saw Sinners and Saints, and then I saw Daylight Center, and I'm like, Leon from The Fast and the Furious is this fucking cool? <laughs> but what, what's funny is I met, so that's how I met Kaufman was, um, I just made Hero Wanted for Millennium, and he had just made Sinners and Saints off on his own, and um, this fellow producer friend named Jay Stamper who is a character name in Jarhead. We, we named a character after him. Um, he brought us together at a cookout in North Carolina. Neither one of us are from North Carolina. He is, he was like, I'll fly you guys out North Carolina. You guys should meet each other. You both got cool movies coming out. I think sinners and saints is much cooler than here. I wanted, but I digress. And anyway, <laughs> but I, but, I, but the funny thing is, is when I went there, I was like, I, I hadn't seen Hero wanted yet, but I knew my fucking cast at the time was better in my mind is I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, look, this cast is okay, but like, you know, yeah, fucking Ray Liotta and, and, you know, Cuba Gooding Jr. And he won a fucking Oscar, whatever, you know? Um, right. Anyway. So I just like have this, like, you know, I'll see, I'll see this guy's little sinners and saints movie. And I watched it and I was like, Hey man, we should hang out. We should, like, <laughs> we, we, we should, we should make some movies together. You want to make some movies together? Okay, let's go. Um, because I knew as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is something, um, this is really hard to do. I don't know how they made this like, you know, badass independent cop movie for what I knew had to be a fraction of what we had in Bulgaria. Wait, so then, so then after, uh, that you then make the hit list together. Is that your first? Yeah. So there was a hit. Yeah. So hit list there was another director on board and things didn't go well with him for what, for a lot of reasons. And, you know, anyway, he ended up gone and I ended up in a situation of Cuba asking me, 
you know, well, what are we going to do? Who are we going to get? And I said, well, there's this guy I just had this cookout with. I think he'd be great. Um, and so Kaufman ended up on that movie. Not unf there's a lot to like about that movie, but there's a lot that was taken from us too. I mean, there's, there's things, there's things that I think you could probably tell our Kaufman if you're familiar with he and I's work, I think you could probably go, oh, okay, they're responsible for that. But no way they came up with this dumbass fucking credit sequence and shit. <laughs> so, you know, thanks, Sony. I hope to work with you again. Um, <laughs> all those guys uh, are gone. There's new people there. I <laughs> They move uh, in and out like ants. I uh, I started watching. I, I still have about 40 minutes because it was late last night. Um, six bullets last night. And I oh, was yeah, really, I saw the tweets. Thanks. Man. Yeah, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, JCVD there. You know, there's a good section of his career that I have, I have to fill in that I yeah. haven't watched. And and so but he, he still looks like he's in prime shape in that movie. Um, and uh, I, I was right getting right to the big twist. And it, it was all all working for me really well. But it, it made me think about you've actually got to work with a lot of different sort of big legends over this career so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's like the biggest one that, that, that got away from you. What's the one that almost was. Can one you that talk almost about it? Was. Yeah, yeah. I can talk about it because well, it was like, so I always go on like people, like the first people say, what's your favorite movie? I always say true romance, just off the cusp, true romance. Cause it, for whatever reason, it all works for me. It and point break. Those are like, okay. So I had Christian Slater like twice for a movie. I've never made a movie with him. So for me, I don't know if he's like bigger than the guys that we're talking about, but it's just that thing. He's from my favorite movie. It was Clarence. And I always wanted to really work with him. And I had him twice and those movies fell apart as, you know, as independent movies often do. And so that, that to me is the one that got away. There's been other things though. Like I was going to make a movie with Brendan Fraser about William Tell. Um, and we, we developed it for a long time back in the day. And that was going to be like, to me, like my Robin Hood, you know, like my Prince of Thieves kind of Hell thing. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, and then that got away. And then I was going to do a movie that had Hayden Christensen and, and Gary Oldman and that got away. Yeah, look, there's there's all kinds of stuff that like it, throughout the process of this. And you know this, I'm sure uh, you're like you don't want to talk about it because eventually it becomes something that goes in the graveyard. And you're just yeah. Like, but at yeah. the same time, it's like when it's happening, like this past year for me, you know, got no movies made, but had like all these first time big offers go to like big actors with my right. name on it. And like, I, I was, I, I actually was like, I'm going to take the moment to like be proud of this, even though it's like an invisible achievement that no one, right. <laughs> it doesn't, right. it doesn't fucking count for anything, but at the same time, like but it they, does they had to read like an email hard, with my name on it. <laughs> but, but, but that's a hard place to get to, you know what I mean? Like right. it really, like, it's not, it is an achievement. And that, and that's what I think, you know, we tend to forget once we're in the business is how every little thing, it's easy for me to, you know, like, oh, hero wanted. It. It's like, that was 15 movies ago, you fucking idiot. What are you crying about? Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's a point where I got to eventually where I just thought like, well, it's like you said about being sacred about things or overthinking things. Like there, there's a clear point after six bullets where I said, I can't, maintain overthinking that everything has to be this grandiose version of, of life altering movie making. I just need to realize that I'm, you know, going to make profitable movies that I would want to watch because most movies that you watch don't change your life. They're just either good or not. You know what I mean? You're just kind of like, Oh, it's pretty good. Particularly today. I think we've even gotten away from the era that we grew up in where movies sort of 
you know, made more of an impact. I feel like now there's just so much going on that we yes. go, Oh, that Christopher Nolan movie was all right. And then we, for, we even forget that thing, you know, um, and are on to the next, you know, day shift or whatever else is coming out, you know? Um, and it's, and it just feels very, it feels very silly for me to think I have to be the one to, that has to, you know, sit there. And so once I sort of got over that, I became much more prolific, but like if I'd have maintained hero wanted hit list, six bullets, I'd probably only have like six movies right now. If, if even, because I was not writing at the pace. Then I I had all kinds of mental walls and doors put up that I don't have frankly now. Well, uh, and Mike jump in if you want, but I want to ask a craft question here. Um, So what you're saying, your pace Tell us your 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 schedule, Chad Law, Chad of screenwriters. How do you write this much, and what well, is so, what does a week look like for you? Well, uh, so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm at minimum doing ten pages a day. At minimum, that doesn't mean they're ten shootable pages, but that does mean that they're words on a page that I will eventually go back and and clean up. But also, like, and I and I I work. There's a lot of co-writers that I work with now, which also helps. Like, they you know there's it helps with time it helps with ideas and reading a writer is like a lonely fucking existence by yourself right right like you're just sitting there you know and you have so so it's also you, know, you find, have to tell yourself lies uh right. to do it and right. because the because especially you like we know the likelihood of it getting made once you know is right. it's so much lower than when you start so when you start you're like this is going to be a fucking movie and this then the, the be, older you get, you're like, it's not going to be a movie. Nothing's it's not going to be a movie. Made. I don't know how to. So yeah. I think that's the wall I hit over the pandemic where I was just like, I can't tell myself these lies anymore. I don't believe it. <laughs> Nothing's well, going to get made. Well, see what, what happened to me after, like sort of during the pandemic was I believed that like at that point I could make, I was the exact opposite. It's like, I'm going to make all this shit. And that's why you have how. like 10 movies coming out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I don't know who's going to help me. And I don't know who's going to be in it any of this stuff, but I'm not going to sit here and not be productive. Right. Um, Cause you know, there was no jobs. Nobody's calling. Nobody even is, you know, there, there's no movies at the theaters now because people just stopped making them, you know, like uh, there's, that's why there's nothing that comes out. So it's sort of like, there was that time where I was like, well, maybe movie making is just over and I'm just going to write these for myself, but you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to fucking do that anyway. And if I have to get my camcorder out, like I did when I was 12, and start just filming these things, then maybe that's what I do for fun, you know, and we just write out this apocalypse. Um, so, so wait, one more, you're saying 10 pages a day. How, how many, like, can you just switch from project to project day to day? Cause that, with, well, that actually with, is used to be the thing that it would take me a week sometimes to like mentally get back to where I felt like I was on one project when someone came back and said, I need you to do notes on this. And I'd particularly be like, oh, with the, particularly, particularly with the other writers I work with, I can, because I I will know what the story is of all these things, even when they're off working too. So like, I know where we're supposed to go and where we're going to get, I know where we want to get anyway. Right. So, so I can, I don't, I don't usually work on more than two things at once, but I can easily turn one thing into a day job. And this is often what I do one thing into a day job and one thing into a night job. And for me, that keeps me from sometimes getting frustrated. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm frustrated by the, the, the one hitman script or whatever it is and go fuck that guy. And then I'm on to, you know, whatever the other, you know, script is, 
and I'll just stay there where it feels fresh. And then when I hit whatever, you know, sort of mental wall in that, then I'll jump back into the hitman and thing. And usually what happens is when I go back, I go, I don't see what my fucking problem was. This is easy. Yeah. Now I can just go back into this, but it's just like a mental thing of time. Sometimes you just get your mind just gets stuck on something and it's, there's really no reason why it's just a stupid place to be stuck, but you can't see that at the time. And you come back and you'll usually for me, I'll find the fix or, or there, that there wasn't even a fix. It was just me getting mentally tired of working in that world. Yeah. I I've noticed that that is something just, I feel like just almost recently that I can switch projects within a day and not have the same, like, uh loading problems like it was almost like my brain was like it cannot load ram cannot right, load right, ram yeah, yeah. and i yeah. i'd be like i'd be like all right i'm gonna go back and read it from page one and now i'm a slow reader so but um i do find that like you know the great thing about directing and, and working with other writers like i have the past couple of years is that like when i when when you read a script and it's close and it's like, oh, and you just want to do these polishes. It's almost like there's blood in the water because you're like, oh, my God, this could get made. So when right. you when you have something that's, um, you know, that it's a page one, it's white page. That to me is is still always going to be the hardest. But when it's a daunting thing, yeah, the daunting thing. But when you're kind of like it's almost like, yeah, it's like you, you come into a house and you're like, oh, God, it, just a few things change. This whole place would look a little bit better. Let me just move right. the sofa over here. And then you're like, feel like, you know, this this weird mental anxiety relief. So there is that like perpetual excitement when you're coming on to other people's scripts and you see just little things and you're like, oh, we could get this done. We could go, we could go, we could go. So I could see how that, like, especially where you are, where all these things are kind of leading into production that there's always it, that excitement. It's a great motivator. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm like, I literally, I went from, you know, thinking what most writers rightfully think is like, you know, I'll never get this made to like, I'm going to get this fucking made. Like, and it's like this little cheerleader in the back of my head. That's like, yeah, if you do what you do, when you know how to do this, then like, you're going to find the right people in the right places. And I don't know how yet, but you know, maybe it's Coffin, maybe it's Liam, maybe it's, Christian says maybe it's Millennium, maybe it's whoever, maybe Adkins is in, you know, your next 10 movies. Um, but you're going to get somebody that you want to get for the movie. And it's just going to like sort of like work out. And I guess that's sort of how I've how I've looked at it is like these things, they sort of work out. Even the ones that died weren't were meant to die in a way for whatever reason. Um, you know they they probably wouldn't have gone the way I wanted them to or whatever, even if that, you know, I was disappointed at the time and my bank account cried and you know, whatever. I'm um, not there. I'm not there yet, Chad. I'm still mad about everyone that didn't get you, 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 Time heals all wounds, man. Time heals all <laughs> wounds. And, and you'll get there and you'll think, man, that was, you know, um, but no, I, I, I just, I've gotten used to, you know, knowing that some live and some die and that's sort of, you know, that's life. <laughs> Incredible. You know, the, the, when I started talking to Scott last year and I zoomed with him, he was talking about coming to LA to shoot lights out and he was, uh, you know, yeah. talking about Grillo and stuff. And he was just like, this script is great. Uh, it, you know, that, that Chad wrote, it's really awesome. And I was just like, I got to meet Chad. And, yeah, we uh, talked so, right after that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, just wanted to give you props that uh, it's always great when, when actors are, uh, are saying how, how awesome you are behind the scenes. And obviously the fact that Scott 
is uh, apparently only working on Chad Law movies from now on uh, is, is a nice compliment. Apparently. No, no. And the, the funny thing is, is like when we did Jarhead, we had just done Close Range with Isaac Florentine. Um, and so that was sort of how he wound up in Jarhead. Anyway, I mean, there were a lot that went on to it with agents and Universal and all that stuff. But that like basically stemmed from me talking to Kaufman after we'd done Close Range and like, why don't we try and like get Atkins in this movie? Even though it's a very not Atkins-y movie, you know, like he's not, you know, martial arts sing into the Taliban or whatever, you know. Um, although I would oh, okay, want to see Okay, wait a minute. Wait a yeah. minute. Did we yeah. just come up with the new Chad Lott yeah, movie? I, 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 I think this is happening. Um, <laughs> whereas like, you know, like usually when I do, right, like Warpaint, the one we're getting ready to do, like I, in my mind, if Atkins didn't want to do it, I had no idea who who I was going to, I, that might've been one that I would have put away. So I was glad when I sent it to him that he wanted to do it and felt what I thought, which was like, this is the perfect, like, because I was like, I good. Cause like, I don't know who else I was very, very much tailored and made by me and Ian, the co-writer for, for Atkins. There's no way. I mean, I'm sure someone else could do it, but I don't know who it would be, you know? No, and that's a great feeling. And, um, it, so can we, how much can you tell us about a war paint? Like, cause we know he's, you know, it's been announced. He's playing twins. Is this like, yeah, yeah, he's doing the Van Damme a, is this your double impact? It's, it's, it's definitely in it. That's where it comes. It comes from double. It comes from double impact, maximum risk. And all the times that Van Damme, I think Van Damme did it three times. He replicant. I think he did it at least three times where he did, you know, the twin thing. And so the idea sort of stemmed from there. Um, but basically, um, and then there's this whole Hollywood element to it, which you know leads us into sort of fake movies within the movies um, and Shane Blackland, which is fun. Not to say that like I'm even near Shane Black, but we're in that you know that LA kind of tongue-in-cheek LA kind of vibe. But but uh, look, I don't want to say too much about it until I see that you know the movie sure. comes out well or whatever, because I may denounce it next month. Um, <laughs> no. Well, well, what can you tell us about Isaac uh, working with him? Man, Isaac is like old school. I didn't know what to think of him because he's just, he felt very militant when I first met him. He was just like, Chad, sit down. We talk. But then he's like the friendliest, like you, you get to know him real easy, real quick. And I, you know, I was at his, his house in LA, like having tea and, you know, we're talking about the script and he, he would like go to a location. And like, so and like, there was this thing in the script where, Scott had to basically he had to shoot a guy and jump. You're, you're talking about close range now. Close right? range, yeah. Yeah. And so we're on locate. We walked around the whole location. This is what was fun with Isaac is we walked around all the locations and tried to make the script in the locations while we were there, right? Which we you don't always have a luxury of doing. But he was like trying to make it match the script and as opposed to make the script match the locations. And he was like, How do we get from, you know? How, how do we get you know scott from here to here and i'm like well that's a question i can't do what scott can do so i can try and like pretend that i can flip i don't know i don't i think scott can flip from there to there i don't know but if not we can just cut isaac would we'll just cut it. <laughs> but i can't i can't i can't show you how scott can do i can't do that flip I, I, I can do a little jump and it's not gonna look cool um and anyway, but no, like working with Isaac was a blast and we're supposed, you know, we're trying to work together again, hopefully, you know, sooner rather than later. But we started that process like two years ago so or three, 
So we'll see. Well, um, it, and this is one thing that, you know, Liam kind of brought this up that really is a testament to you, um, which is you have worked repeatedly with, you know, you did, I, I think, what, three movies with Cuba Gooding Jr. You've done at least a couple with Dolph. You've done a couple with, you know, not to, to call but the notoriously difficult Van Damme uh, to work with, you know, and 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 so and now obviously Scott's coming back for a bunch with you. You've done. You've got Kaufman. You've, he's directed a bunch of your movies. Christian Sesma is now directing a bunch of your movies. Uh, that really is you've built around your scripts. It feels like this almost this little community of, of yeah. people who seem to enjoy coming back and, and working with you time and time again. And, and likewise with them, you know, it's it's like Shakespeare without Shakespeare. <laughs> it's just it's not you know that's not easy you you see a lot of stuff like this and it, it's not and i know you know a lot of the actors that you work with some i know personally are very demanding um yeah and and are very willing to say i'm never working with that person again and so if they're coming back for more you, you know you're obviously doing something right so i mean that's yeah. that's a credit to you there, there have been ones who, who who don't say that but yeah, yeah. um I, I do have to ask about drive hard because uh, were you on set for that movie? Because I have to think that having uh, Tom Jane and John Cusack on the same set had to be uh, an experience to say. It was awesome. It was shot in Australia. It was not supposed to be shot in Australia as it was written. It became written, produced in Australia for, you know, financial reasons, uh, government. I don't know. But um, look, I know Thomas Jane and I know Thomas Jane pretty well. And I've wanted to work with him. And we've been supposed to work together multiple times. Every time Liam asks if he, if he reads a script, he's like, who are you thinking of here? I'm like, Thomas Jane. Um, <laughs> yeah, Thomas that, Jane goes into everything. Um, that, 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 the other one that with, with the two-hander from, from last year, I, I, don't, I won't say the other name, but yeah. yeah. Oh, we'll see. Perfect, we'll see. perfect for the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, but, but no, I mean, Thomas Jane and Cusack, like when I found out that they were cast, I thought that, like somebody made a mistake because at the time Cusack hadn't done that type of movie even at all. So I was like, you know, it was more like thinking of the Cusack from gross point blank or identity or whatever. And it originally was going to be Van Damme and Bing Rams. So when it came back to me and it was Cusack and Jane, I was like, Oh, well that's different. Yeah. Van Damme and Bing Rams is a great pairing. That I yeah, it should happen. It, it yeah, should it still should happen. happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I do have to ask, did you actually write Cusack vaping in the script or was that just Cusack was just like, I'm just going to vape throughout this whole movie? No, I actually I actually wrote Cusack vaping and in his black hat and black coat that he wears in all of his movies. No, I didn't. That's just Cusack being Cusack. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I, that's got. Kind of, well, because the first time I saw it, I was like, this is a brilliant little character thing that he's sitting in the back of this car yeah, the whole time. It works. And then, yeah. and then, like, in his next six movies, he's vaping too. And I'm like, oh no, Cusack just showed that's up just, on set. I'm, I'm going to fucking vape. Get used to it. <laughs> you know, you know what's weird is like, so that would be a movie that, like, I, yeah, well, I'll leave my opinion on it. Um, I'd like, I don't want to talk about my opinions on the movies, but here's mine. Um, uh, like, you know, it's not my, it's not my favorite of things that I've done probably, but I think Cusack and Jane work really, really well in the movie. There are scenes where if I cut them out and just watch that scene, I'd be like, fuck, this movie's fantastic. I want to see this, you know, I want to see this movie. Whereas like, as the whole may not work for me, there are scenes where those two great actors are just like, show you how fucking great I think they are. 
it, you know, as a viewer, I think that's a fairly uh, that's a that's an accurate spot on assessment. I think their chemistry and their their interplay is really terrific. And I think there's some other things in the movie that don't work as well. But, uh, you know, yeah. obviously, I mean, the movie's like six years old and I'm still talking about Kizak being in the back of the car vaping. So there's stuff in it. That's there's stuff in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. And thank you Tubi, for keeping it alive. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that you. That is one thing that you've got, too. And, and I mean, yeah. this is a compliment. It's not an insult. You are like the king of the Tubi movie, man. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. No, I should build a statue of you in the front of Tubi. Look, look, I've literally talked to Tubi recently. Like, we're going to start doing originals. <laughs> Love, Love it. it. Love why not? Why not? Yeah, why you not? Know? No, I mean, that's. That's you know we are uh, we are very pro people listening though we're very pro Tubi on this. On I'm this. like I'm like can we bring back the Mario Van Peebles Christopher Lambert two hander movies because I really want one of those and can we start making Lou Diamond Phillips lead again please let's do that. Oh wow! Like these these are my like goals in life like I have you know. Um, uh, you know, I, but, but, I just saw C's speaking of Isaac and Mario Van Peebles. Oh, yeah. And I was like, he's fucking, I love that he, you know, he, he, a great actor on point and he's just tearing it up and having a ton of fun. And, and like watch, watching Daylight's End, I was talking to Mike last night, like Louis Mandalore is like the Brando of DTV. Like he's fucking, I've never seen him be anything less than a hundred percent authentic. It and he just so, kind of blows me away every time. So weird when I met him, like I didn't really, I hadn't. We did Daylight's in before the Debt Collector movies and before it sort of what I, you know, whatever is the Lewis Mandalore like sort of renaissance or whatever. Yeah. Um, of DTV, but like, I was blown away by him in Daylight's in. Like watching him on set, I was just like, this dude is like the best actor I've ever fucking worked with. And like, <laughs> like Lewis, come here, let's go out. And we go out, and I just was like, I mean, I think Lewis is is a phenomenal. Like, and he's been around forever. But it's just like, which which is a testament to his talent for one, right? But it's just one of those things where like, I don't know if like me or a lot of people noticed it until like sort of, you know, the past like seven, eight years maybe. No, definitely not me. I was, it, it was definitely on, on the Debt Collectors and then Hell Hath No Fury and then going back to Daylight's End. And I'm just like, this guy is consistently working at a level above everybody else yeah. in his scenes. Yeah. He's amazing. Speaking it, it, of Kaufman, it was for me, it was, you know, I, I had known of him for years and obviously his brother and stuff. And I was always yeah. kind of like, oh, he's he's the one that's not as famous as his brother. Um, Austin, yeah. Yeah. And then um, but then speaking of Kaufman, he, he puts him in fucking Sinners and Saints and he's got that amazing shootout in Sinners and Saints. And he's so goddamn good in that movie. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on here? And then he's done nothing but amazing work ever since. Um, yeah, no, he's he's um, he, he's one of those guys like I mean, I think he's going to get some of his own sort of vehicles in this independent. Um, well, well, Kaufman made a movie called The Brave that's on Netflix with Lewis. Lee really good. Really, it's good, really good. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird that it exists because it takes place in this like foreign land and you're not sure exactly who the movie's for. I know all the story of how that movie was made, so it like kind of makes sense that it's weird. But like, but it's a good movie. It came out really well, and and it's. Um, but it, again, like Lewis, yeah, that guy, like fucking Marlon Brando of DTV. That's the best way to put it. Yes, I. Stella! I um, no, I know you. I know you got to go, so I want to talk about. What I, you I have. said if if we run like a few minutes, like I'm good until like. 15 after whatever okay great well i i do want to talk about um you know what what's coming out so that uh, oh, everyone yeah. can be excited about that i mean the the section eight trailer just came out uh within the past week 
and uh, and people were kind of uh, you know mind blown about the cast that you assembled. So tell us about Section Eight. Well, um, the best review for it has already happened from your partner who's not with us right now due to the COVID. <laughs> Check out this action movie looking ass action movie. <laughs> That's all I want on the poster. That's all I want to tell the like. Check out this action movie. I can't even get it right. Check out this action movie, ass looking ass action movie. <laughs> I'm like, if that's not, I just want that on the poster. Like, that's all that needs to be said. Check out this action movie, ass looking ass action movie. Dude, if funny. you can get Vice on, like, to yeah. start people doing poll quotes for Vice, it would be like the greatest thing ever. Like, that's so. what needs to happen because I feel like that's all people need to see the movie. But it's funny because like when I was reading action Twitter and seeing what people were saying and somebody was like, they actually put, you know, Dolphin Scott in an action movie. It's not that Castle Falls isn't an action movie, but I knew exactly what they were saying. And I was like, good point, because Section 8 is a fucking action movie. It plays like an action movie. You know, I I watched one guy like talk about how he knew what the plot was going to be from watching the trailer. I was like, good for you. You know, like <laughs> me too. Um, but that's sort of the point. It's like to 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 make a '90s you know style playground for these people to have action movie ass action. Well, and and I have been long um, sort of ringing the bell for Ryan Quentin. Uh, so I love to see him going you know full action on this because I, I think he's got he definitely has it and and he's got I know right, he's, he's got, great in the movie. Yeah, and he just he just had that new horror movie, uh, Glorious, come out too. So I love that he can he can transition between those two things. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I him in a glory hole. Yeah, him in a glory hole. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I got sent I got sent that script to do VFX on it, and I, and and I was like, so what's the budget? And they didn't respond to my email. <laughs> but so I, I feel like I missed out because everyone seems to like it. But I was yeah, like, yeah, I'm not going to do this for free. But um, yeah. yeah. The wrong yeah. question was how much money do you have? <laughs> oh, but I just I think I think you've got a really really terrific cast there, and I I like the idea that Quentin's the lead. You know, he's not necessarily given that cast the person that you would expect to be the lead, but I think I think he's not going to let people down. I think he's going to be he's going to be uh, really surprising a lot of folks. That was the only thing when I was making the movie is I was like, you know, you worry about these things because you know I know. I know who I feel I'm making the movie for, right? And it's not the dude who thinks he can tell what happens in the script from the trailer. That's not the guy. I'm making it for the guys who don't care about that shit and are like, man, this is just like, you know, good. And hey, Dolph has a real role and Scott has a real role. And this isn't like, you know, a lot of these movies were, well. Just say it. It's not a geezer teaser piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, right. This is like an actual movie that these guys play parts in that fit into the story. And, um, it's, and again, like to use like sort of what I said about Daylight's In, it's not about trying to reinvent the wheel. It's about trying to spin the wheel well and use the pieces that you have to make what are hopefully a good and entertaining movie for the audience that you want to like the movie. Um, and that's, you know, that's for for me. Right. That's for you guys. That's for like those are the people that you want to like the movie. Action Twitter. Most of them. <laughs> Look, we, we seldom agree about anything on, on action right. Twitter. So it, it 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 is just like you said, it's uh I, I think I kind of had this uh banging this drum for a while where it's just like originality is overrated, it's execution. Execution it's like, execution yeah. is is the number one thing. Can you and, execute and I, and the I gotta idea give, well? I gotta give huge props to the producer 
of Section 8, Brandon Burroughs, who I talked to. Section 8 came about because me and him had this dialogue going over um, COVID, and we were both just like, fuck, our world's over. We're never making movies. You know, we're bored. We should just make a movie. Oh, let's go make a movie. And then eventually he, like, you know, did what his mouth said he would do and it was like, no, let's go make a movie. We're going to go do it right now. It's going to be, send me some scripts, send him some scripts. And then, you know, he's responsible for not cutting us off at, you know, Ryan Quanton and Dolph Lundgren and going, mm-hmm. let's, you know, let's, let's put the pedal to the metal. Let's get Adkins. Let's get Dermo Maroney. Um, you know, and there, and there are other people in the movie too, like, you know, that you've seen, like it's, you know, there's Robert Lasardo who you've probably seen in a, on of movies there's um there's there's a lot of people all throughout the movie that you'll recognize which is different than the way a lot of these movies are made yeah i know i'm glad that you pointed out that that's a, a producer driven part because people will always yes. be like oh wow that this director gets great actors and it's like well not really they have to have a partner that actually values right. you know filling out the cast and um because you know, w- when it comes down to it between like days and, and more actors, uh, directors are probably going to choose more days. And you have to have a producer yeah. that values both and is trying to to figure that out because a lot of the times they're just like bare minimum, bare minimum, and then just fill the rest out with like, you know, local hires and hockey and goons. Well, and that's the thing is, it, yeah, Burroughs is like encouraging as far as, as a producer goes, whereas a lot of people will be like, I think we got to cut that explosion. He says, I think we should add another explosion. So in that sense, we were encouraged to make the more explosive version of that trailer that you saw. Whereas a lot of times on, you know, some of these Bruce Willis movies, um, (laughs) they pull back and say, stay in this room only. And the explosion's (laughs) off screen and debris flies or whatever. You know, we were encouraged to do the exact opposite of that, which is um, that's how we were able to make the movie we made, which I'm I'm definitely it's going to go in the top top five there well and you're you're doing it again for lights out too i mean you got an amazing cast in lights out you got adkins you got grillo you got dermot mulroney again jamie king the king fucking kevin gage Wayne himself in your movie like 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 you said these mckay pfeiffer uh like yeah, these are, Roney, juju chan yeah these are uh, it goes are, on yeah these are real you know real cast it's not it's not Dolph and Scott and a bunch of uh, Bulgarian, you know, extras. You know, it's they're they're not that I'm shitting on that. I mean, those are some oh, yeah, of my yeah. favorite movies, but but I've the reality is tons of those. Yeah, but the reality is these are these are impressive casts for this kind six, of six film. six bullets and one in the chamber, both made in Romania, like months apart. I think aside from the main cast, like the supporting cast, are all the swapped same actors. <laughs> <laughs> in different roles not all of them but there's a lot of them if you watch those two movies back to back you'll be like hey that's the guy from one in the chamber that was the <laughs> oh that's the guy from six bullet two at the end it's just like oh it's like the same troop of people who came in for but yeah so that's what happens a lot of times and that was the same producer same location same different directors but it just was like you know you swap cuba and Dolph for van damme and joe flanagan and you're making the same movie yep yep uh, the one other one that you've got, well, you've got, you know, 87 coming out, but what can, what else, before we let you go, what else can you tell us about shrapnel? Shrapnel is another Kaufman joint, um, where we, we have a lot of shrapnel in this movie. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, look, I, I think it's, I think it's going to be really good. It's Jason, Jason Patrick is an actor who I've always really 
admired and liked. And I mean, obviously from NARC, but even like Lost Boys, that's going to be in like a Chad Law top 10 movies of all time list. So I go back to like Lost Boys and early stuff that he did like Rush even. And it's just, he's such a good, intense actor. So to get to make a movie with him and somebody like Kaufman who can get a, you know, work with an actor like that and have him do an action movie, right? Like a full on action movie, not like, you know, people crying in the corner or whatever. Um, no, I don't know what that means, but um, <laughs> like, you know, a Kaufman movie. I think it's going to be really, I think it's going to be really good. I think that's going to be another, that's, I'm excited about that. And that took a long time to make because that was one of those that was supposed to go into production pre COVID and then just kind of sat there. And I was like, Oh, well, maybe that won't get made now. And then it did. And, um, and we've got Cam Gigante in there who is like surprisingly great at this action stuff. Like, I feel like this is like where he's like excelled. Well, we're, we're fans of him on the show. And, um, but it is so funny to me just because of our age. Like I still think of him as this young, like hot teenager in a weird way in my mind. And then right, really right. seeing him now and like without remorse and it's like, Oh yeah, he's, he's like, he's an adult. Uh, right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to, uh, by the time this year's over, I will have made three movies with Cam. Amazing. And I hadn't, you know, so it's like, we got shrapnel. Um, we did one that's nowhere, but it's finished called, well, I don't know if I should, well, it's called The Groomsman. Eventually, somebody will talk about it. Um, and then we did, we're getting ready to do Violence of Action with Kaufman and Scott, which and I do right after Warpaint. Violence of Action, if I'm not mistaken, that has also been in development for a hell of a long time, right? That Because that used to be Vigilante, if I, uh, ish? I ish, yes, um, ish. But the, it's it's become... It's become something else. It's another one of those movies that did, you know, you desperately wanted to come together at a certain point, and then for whatever reason, and it was, I tried everything that I worked really hard to make Vigilante happen, and it just didn't happen. And looking back on it now, I was, you know, really discouraged at the time because that was also going into COVID. Um, but now looking at it, I'm like, okay, that movie didn't happen for reason, and this movie that is different than that movie the the movie will be better for it and that's where not and that's just due to time schedule that's all these things that can come together that you don't realize at the time budget script got script changed script became something else um which which also happened with daylight's end like when we took the break in filming the script became something else too i mean aside from what we'd already shot what we'd already shot allowed us to see have five months to see sort of you know what we could do and do well and what we could change and, and ideas that maybe, you know, weren't so good um, became better. So there's a lot of things that for me, you know, feel sort of devastating at the time. And then you go, OK, you'll get there, Liam. It'll, it'll happen. Well, I, I was going to ask you something about, um, you know, I, I was asking about the location in Daylight's End. And it just made it occurred to me uh, the location in, in close range. And then the other script that I just read of yours yesterday. And it's like, so um, you do, you seems like you mix in contained movies, you know, that are set in like contained locations. Do, do, you, do you visit those locations before? Is it all in your head? Like close range had you? No, uh, close range. I just knew needed to be, I, well, I visited it after I wrote the script, but I didn't have that location in mind. I just knew it needed to be uh, a remote, you know, 
Texas farmhouse. Shrapnel is very similar in this way. Shrapnel is a, you know, remote farmhouse uh, situation. And so to me, there's sort of a security in knowing that I'm going to do a limited location movie. Yeah. Because I mean, look, that, that's how my career started with the, with Skyline. It was, it was, it was one building, you know? Right. And, and so, so I won't always do limited location movies. Section eight is far from a limited location movie, but I will every other or every two scripts go, I need that script just in case I get in a bind. You are, you're, you're just like, like, so methodical fucking, you're the, yeah, you're a methodical yeah. assassin, just like the ones yeah. you write that is you're I'm a think, script I'm assassin. Thinking, I, I need I need one of those limited location scripts so that if you know if you know if the if the coffers are hurting and there's no there's no movies being made then I can go hey guys you know there's a movie we can make for a price and you know we'll have to get so and so but I but I'm also I don't try to use that as a crutch I actually find that a lot of times when I'm writing a limited location script I like the script more because mm-hmm. I didn't have. I couldn't just say cut to, you know, Washington <laughs> to get me out of whatever, you know, sort of quagmire I'd written myself into. I just have to go, oh, shit, I'm only in this, you know, only in this place. Um, and I think like the script that you just read, like it's it's not super. It's not like one location, but it is, you know, a sort of um, well, it's like close range where it's it's right. Like, it's, you're it, in there's this... a woods. There's yeah. a there's a house there's a river, you know, and there's vehicular action that you can do on these locations, but it is sort of like, if you find the right location, that's your mini backlot. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're free to roam. You can blow it up. You can, you know, you can wage world war three on that thing. And that's what's fun because there's, yeah, yeah, there's no, there's really, it's not like, you know, when we're filming Section 8 and or Lights Out, which we both, with both of those were filmed in L.A. and and um, the desert. Um, which is another thing I was like ridiculously jealous of you uh, when when I was like, how are you shooting movies in L.A.? At this, like, what the fuck is going on? And, and, and the answer to that is the producer and Sesma, the director, also, he's from Palm Springs. So he has the Palm Spring hookup. But at the end of the day, he also is shooting more paint. We are not shooting that in L.A. despite it being set in L.A. Why? Because we had a different producer. <laughs> right. So, you know, again, that's where like people a lot of times people downplay what a producer does. Even I do it like fuckers, you know, but, but like you, you, you were downplaying that you're a producer at the beginning of this and saying you're a screenwriter first. But um, like I know a lot of screenwriters and they don't have the hustle gene that you have. And right. they, they don't have the. The, 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 the you're seeing the connections and you actually so you you're, you're a real producer i just wanted to put that out thanks there. thanks yeah. i mean i am thinking ahead of like practicality of like and mm-hmm. resources right like i think well i don't think hey i'm gonna write an oliver stone movie because like he, i don't have his number you know so i don't think that's not something that goes in my mental like hey let's do jfk2 he returns um <laughs> <laughs> Again, I would watch that. You keep I just... would watch that too. I just thought of a new movie. <laughs> Shit, the return of JFK. Um, Thomas Jane is JFK too, <laughs> and introducing Scott Atkins. He's, he's back and he's pissed. <laughs> Scott Atkins is Lee Harvey Oswald, <laughs> Ninja Oswald. As yeah, Scott yeah, Atkins. no, dude. Like, I'm fucking. I'm in right now. Like, if we can, uh, 
Let's see if uh, what is the tax credit in Texas right now? Chad's um, literally opening up his laptop to start writing. Yeah, I'm making notes. I'm making notes. No, but I think I think like that is sort of the way to to you know. I, I remember when I was starting out writing. I used to read um, you know books by Robert Rodriguez and and um, you know all the people who made low budget movies, and they'd be like, "Make your own damn movie." And I remember thinking, "That's it's a great idea." But I can't. I still can't. Like Rodriguez has a lot of tools and talent that I don't have. And, uh, you know, Roger Corman and these people, like I get what they're saying. And there's there's a lot of like logic to it, particularly in this the world that we live in today where, you you know, technology is a lot different than it was in 19, you know, 88, which is still where I live. And um, (laughs) and 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 so a lot of people do have learned to have the, you know, the know-how of going and making their own damn movie. But I think the idea of making your own damn movie really stuck with me, even if I didn't know how to do it. Right. And I set out to do it. I was buying prosthetic like arms and shit from Halloween stores. And I was going to make a movie actually called daylight's in, which is funny. The script of which again, evolved from me making it to actually making it and it becoming very different. Um, but I think in trying to think I'm going to make my own damn movie, which I never actually did, I learned things about how I do think I can sort of make my own damn movie. And mm-hmm. that's through the use of it takes it takes a village. Right. So so to me, a part of that is acquiring that village, befriending the right people, forming the right relationships and then having the basically a plan right like that goes beyond just the script like i can tell you i'm going to write an action script and i can tell you the premise and i can tell you what happens in the beginning middle and an end but i think beyond that where make your own damn movie came in useful to me was like okay how though like i don't have money (laughs) so how because it all takes money and then it's like well how do you find the right elements to get the money how do you get the director who can help get the cast. What cast do you and the director know? What producer can you go to who will support you and get the cast that you, so it's, so it is sort of like when people say it's like a chicken before the egg thing, it is. And it probably took me 15 years to have the ability to do what I do now, because I was in this past 15 years in my mind, formulating the ability to do what I'm doing this year. So it was a long time coming, but I do think, you know, and obviously I made movies in, in there, but like a lot of that was also meeting Kaufman in the process of that meeting Isaac in the process of that me and Sesma have known each other for 15 years, for whatever reason, we made section eight last year together and had never made a movie before. And now we're going on a movie three. So I don't know why exactly some of these, some of these things happen the way they do. <clears throat> I've had this cold, this COVID cough for like eight months. This tea's not helping. It doesn't slow you down. Well, I, I was going to say though, but I, you know, I think you really did kind of just sum up everything in that last, uh, in that last bit there. And, and uh, I know we've, we've kept you uh, past your allotted time. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is, is relationships and planning ahead and, and writing, I feel like to a degree, you kind of have to be a producer, right? Like there is a part of it that is producing. Like if you're not thinking of how can I get this made, 
then you're you might as well be you know i i don't i don't know i guess i don't know how not to think that way i i'm the same way i i there's a lot of people that will write things and they they they're like, I don't know how it will get made, but I'm just going to write it. And I'm like, well, if you don't see this thing becoming a movie, do not waste your time writing it. it right. It, it, well, and then no, what you just said is actually really important. I have to be able to see it. And that doesn't mean, and hopefully if I see it, somebody else can see it. That's sort of my gut is like, if I see it, somebody else will see it. But if I can't see it personally, then I don't think it works. That's sort of my gauge for like, man, this script doesn't work. I can't see it. Mm-hmm. There's no visualization, you know, there's no way I could see this on a screen, even with rewrites or whatever. <clears throat> when that happens, I go, okay, I don't think this is a movie. And who am I to say? I've seen, I've been wrong before, but that's just like the gut instinct that you go with where you're like, you know, I can't see this working. So for me, it's like when I type the end and I can see something, I go, okay, that, you know, that can become close range. That can become violence of action. That can become daylight's in. Or, you know, Six Bullets or whatever. And Six Bullets, you know, you talk about working with Van Damme, that changed a lot. A lot of these things changed a lot. And that's that's something also that you have to kind of be, you know, ready for as a writer, I think, is like, don't be so sacred that you're like in your way. Because I know a lot of writers who are like, oh, they want to cast this guy or they want to change this. I'm not doing that. You mean you can sell your script, but you won't do it because they want to put an A-list actor in your movie that you don't like? Or they want to buy your script, but you don't like it because they want to change the third act and you're, you know, you'd rather just keep it. I don't understand that kind of thought process. Like for me, it's like when I type those words, they're not supposed to exist. It's not a novel. They're not supposed to exist on the page or in the computer. I have to get them out. And if not, I've failed. So if Van Damme wants to come in and change the whole third act, but he's still coming in, Mission accomplished. Hell yes. You know, I was going to say that the, 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 one of the things that uh, it goes with what you're saying, first of all, 100% agree with you that if you're a first timer, like get the first credit get out the there. Movie you you yeah. got to get your first credit. But then also, you know, advancing your skills in, in thinking whether it is like a producer or a director is that a lot of the producers in charge of the money don't actually really know as much as you think they do. No. So they'll start giving you notes. Like I, I had a recent project that I did a, a two week pass on and it was like a 108 page script. And uh, I started pitching them my ideas for the third act. Cause I thought it needed to just have much more condensed action and thrills. And they're telling me that what I'm pitching is more expensive than their script. And I'm like, you got a 108 page script. I'm going to, I'm going right. to cut out 25, pages of your script but i'm gonna make it that already has all these big action scenes interspersed with yeah. a lot of dramatic scenes and i'm gonna make one 20 minute action scene to finish your movie at a nice page 88 that actually is the whole reason why people are coming to see this movie i was like so actually it's gonna be the same budget and it's gonna what it's gonna what it would have been what would have happened if you had shot this script because you would have had to reshoot it because no one wants to see two hours of what you're selling right. me right now. Right. So if I didn't have the experience and knowledge of that, I would have been like, oh, okay, my bad. I guess I should just you right, know, right. do a better version of what you have instead of saying, no, 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 no. Your resources that you're allotting right now are all out of whack and you're not kind of delivering on the central premise of the movie, which goes again, just one thing of, of page count. 
you're very, very tight on your page count, which is another thing I would tell, you know, uh, young writers starting out. Like if there's a, if there's a, a, a third digit to your page count, like you're, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I wish someone had told that to me when I was younger. Cause no, my, it, once my I, once I, were all long. Yeah. Once I, once I hit that a hundred mark, I go, Ooh, we're pushing it. You know, like, and I'll, I'll read a Michael Mann script and obviously that became heat and it's a great movie and everything. But I look at the heat script and I go, what the fuck is this? You ever looked at the heat script? <laughs> How many pages is it? I, I don't even know. It like has whole backstories and everything. And obviously, you know, he knew what he's doing and he's right. Michael Mann and I'm not. And but you read it. And you but, go, we're, but we're not Christ. giving advice to Michael right. Mann. Michael Mann doesn't need advice right. from us. We're saying to to the to the guys that are asking us, how do I break in? Um, my, my, you know, my, my, don't my write 120 is, pages. Yeah. Look at heat and don't do that. And it sounds wrong, but it's right. <laughs> Yes, you have to be a, a great, once in a generational yeah. talent to get those things off. And, and I see a lot of scripts who have, you know, because Heat's a movie that probably a lot of us reference, right? Um, I do, like, all the time. And that's how I realize, like, I can't do those Heat script pages. But, like, I think people make the mistake of going, well, man did it in Heat and look at what Heat became. And it's like, yes, but no. <laughs> Like, yeah, and also it wasn't his first movie. Uh, it wasn't you know, his this first is after movie. he launched the most successful television show of the decade. Like, made yeah. fucking Manhunter, you know, like, yeah. his, you know. Um, and, and Last of the Mohicans, I mean, right? He made Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, he yes, made Last of the yes. Mohicans. Like, this is a guy, yeah, whatever. He was like his seventh or eighth movie, and like well, I said, huge, and, tele, like Miami Vice, you know. And he, he yeah. was his Last of the Mohicans blank check movie. Because Last of the Mohicans was such a massive, kind of unexpected box office success right. that that was sort of his blank check movie. So yeah, you you don't young up and coming screenwriters, you ain't got a blank check fucking movie yet. So right. you know, keep <laughs> that shit at eighty eight pages and save and, us all a bunch of time. Yeah, and assume that nobody wants to read your script because I don't. I don't want to read my scripts. Nobody <laughs> wants to read your script. So if you start out with like eight pages about what Neil McCauley did before the movie starts, throw that shit away because it works for the actor. Those are actor notes. Those are something that the director and Robert De Niro can go over, but nobody's going to read the backstory of your lead character on page one to page two or whatever, like get in, get out. Um, and you know, get on with your lives because that's all a producer wants to do. Is this marketable? Can I get an actor in this? Okay, check, check. Oh, I think I like this. This is excellent work, Chad. Excellent work. Yeah, uh, I mean, very excellent work. Let's very put an excellent. offer out to Tom Cruise and see if he, you know. <laughs> that, that's, I'm waiting for that call, but yeah, you know, like Maverick 3. <laughs> well, that, that was what I was asking. Was there any um, note? But I, I loved your answer with, uh, with Christian Slater. So we're going to put that energy out onto Action Twitter and Hopefully that comes around for you. Yeah. And look, 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 if Tom Cruise is listening, I'm there for you, man. Like, you know, he, I believe, you him. know, the streets have been telling me he's an avid action friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I feel, I feel like he's listening. I think, um, I think, well, I think him and him and vice would hit it off. And I think, you know, he um, just sprints down the street, full speed, yeah. listening to this pod. This is we, what he we listens gas, to. We gas that boy up every day. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so, so Cruise, if you're out there, um, I don't know. A little cruise law joint sounds pretty good. <laughs> sounds good to me. Um, yeah, yeah I can see you two on the fucking poster back to back. Cruise, cruise law. law. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. I'm sold. Like, let's go. 
Chad, we've we've kept you even longer than we. No worries, about, dude. So, um, I, we'll, we will let you go. Liam and I are going to do a little bit of wrap up. But uh, Chad, where can first of all, where can people obviously, uh, anywhere action movies are are being released because you've got eighty seven. But where else can people find you if they want to follow you or listen to you or anything along those lines? Uh, um, I, yeah, I'm on I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Hey, well, I'm on I'm on I'm on action Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Check me out on Action Twitter. I, I I struggle for things to say on there, but occasionally I'll chime in with some words of uh, uh, miseducation. <laughs> Chad, this was uh, this was everything. I, I told you I was super excited to to meet you today, and this was everything I wanted it to be. We will definitely Thanks, get you back on the show down the road. Yeah, as, as some new stuff comes out. Um, I'd love to. Yeah, so uh, you're good to you're good to tap out, and like I said, Liam and I'll do a wrap up. But thank you so much, Chad. Really, all really- right. Thank Thanks, you guys. Chad. Liam, I will talk to you soon about, you know, running yes. around the woods with guns. Sounds great. Sounds All right, great. Man. Pleasure to talk, talk to you, you as always. Take care, guys. Cheers. Oh, buddy. That was awesome. Thank you for making that happen. That, <laughs> yeah. was, that was great. Yeah, uh, no, I felt like we actually got into, I mean, it's always great when you, when the, you can, you could see uh, he got so passionate about, you know, his philosophies. It's kind of like what we're talking with Scott and I I could see his pathways opening up in his head about certain things that he hadn't really articulated before. And I, it it got, it got me really excited. Um, I always enjoyed that too. I always know it's going to be a good episode, at least for me as a listener. uh, If I shut up, like if, if I'm enjoying the conversation so much that I'm just like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk. I'm just going to sit here and listen to these guys go. And, and I felt like there was a lot of that this, this episode. So, um, there, anything? It, yeah, sorry. No, no, it's just, yeah. I mean, like, like, uh, it's like, like I said, like the, I don't know, there's just so much to be gained from people that are like constantly working like that. And, and, and when you, you know, if you, it, uh, we should actually see if we can get some of his scripts, um, that he's comfortable sharing, uh, with some of the audience, because I think it is, uh, it's a, it's definitely a benefit to see some of those things on the page and realize like, uh, you know, something that is, is really tight, tightly written. Um, you know, it just, it just ups your chances. Like there's, there's so many factors working against you. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's not, you can never absolutely game the system, but there's, there's strategies. And that's what he was kind of sharing with you, like a methodical strategy to getting your action movie made, that um, you know, I, I just don't know if anyone else is uh, is really talking about that. You yeah, get, you know, even on a master class, they're not really talking about how you kind of uh, really attack the market and figure those things out. So that that was a Chad Law master class. Yeah, I, I agree. I, actually, a couple of weeks ago, a good friend of the show, Rob Dean, posted a, a tweet saying that he he wanted some people to send him action scripts because he's curious what you know how that works. And I immediately thought of I don't I didn't have any, but I immediately thought of some of Chad's scripts, and I thought about a couple of the ones that you have sent me that are you know are in development. So obviously, I wasn't going to release those, but uh, it, you know, in particular, the the sniper movie script I thought was it was just a a really incredible tight way to write action in a script um that was covered by uh joshua uh todd james who yeah, wrote yeah. uh uh you know the, the the van damme one uh pound of flesh yeah the same yeah. director as six bullets yeah 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 ernie barbarish yeah no and i didn't know if you wanted me to say that the title or not but yeah i i thought the cover script was was just actually um 
really impressively done in terms of how to do action. You know, same thing Chad does contained location, clear action, but filmable, you know, not, not, overly uh, ridiculous uh, in terms of, of what's going to be realistic on a budget for a movie like cover. Um, so yeah, if Chad's cool with that, we can, we can post some of those and, and I think it'd be beneficial. Um, anything else you want to talk about? You want to talk about you, you, you watched without remorse. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk? Well, about? I, I haven't finished without remorse. Um, but yeah, so far it was, you know, it was just kind of flashing back to our Scott chat and mentioning, you know, the Michael B. Jordan thing. And I'm like, yeah, this guy's kind of like right up there. Like he, if he wants to, to really commit to being, you know, our, this, the, the, an action star, I feel like nobody has like the complete package, like, like that dude. I, I don't disagree with you on that. Uh, uh, you know, I didn't like for people listening. If you want to go back, you can go back to me and Vice doing our military movie uh, overview from last year. Uh, I didn't like without remorse as much as Vice did. I probably am not going to like it as much as you did. But I think Michael B. Jordan is unassailable as an action star. I think he's he's got it. He just has to decide if that's what he wants to be. But I think he's. He's he like you said, he's the complete package. Uh, there, there's really no weaknesses. No. Yeah. Like in, he can move. He, he can emote. He can be funny. He can be sexy. He can do it all. Um, you know, I, I think he's I think he's definitely going to like, you know, if you're him, aren't you going to you're, you're looking to be the next, you know, Will Smith and Denzel. So, yeah, he's going to try to balance things out and keep, yeah. keep doing a little bit of everything. I mean, I, he's, he's still only in his thirties and he's directing his first movie in Creed three. So uh, yeah, just uh, one of those things where I feel like, you know, a few years ago without the pandemic, if that thing's in theaters, it's, it's, it's probably a hit just based on the charisma alone. I, I just think he's, he's got it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Um, yeah. I, I mean, my complaints with the movie are, are, are are not related to him. I'm not, I'm not the biggest Tom Clancy fan to begin with. And it, it, you will see when you get to the end, it does suffer from uh, some Marvel itis in terms of the entire movies really actually just a setup for a sequel. Um, but sure. yeah, but, um, but yeah, no, he's got it. There's no question. I mean, that, that jail cell fight where he like, I don't know if you've gotten to that yet where he, yeah, like, I got to oh, that. And, the, the 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 when they're storming into the house with the the flashlight rolling on the ground, I thought that was great, yeah. great intense scene, and and he's just so fucking in it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was I was I was uh, jazzed on that. I did want to touch a little bit on um the rings of power, and just say fuck you to all these fucking racist. Uh, you know, friend of the show Richard Newby has been a warrior on Twitter. Just uh, you know, he he writes for Hollywood Reporter. He did a great piece on on the rings of power. And um, he's got way more patience than me. I, I, I start to like really, really get moved towards violence and I have to get off of Twitter when I start seeing people call, you know, our friends uh, racist slurs. It is uh, in just completely infuriating. And I say this as a huge fanboy of the Peter Jackson films, both the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit films. I, I've watched the Hobbit films a lot because my son, Love those. And I always said like, hey, this is like the biggest, most expensive TV series. You guys are saying you love Game of Thrones, but this if you just watch an hour of the Hobbit films every night, it's like, it, you know, it's like a, a 10 hour movie that is, you know, done at the highest budget level. So, um, you know, at home, I, I actually enjoy all those movies. But the most like embarrassing and it was even embarrassing, I'd say at the time is the lack of diversity in those movies. It is like it is kind of. 
you know, a, a little bit of something that they you could lay it at their feet. I remember being in the theater for Return of the King and like crying and feeling like this transcendent experience. And on the way out, uh, a black dude who was in the theater was said, where was all the black people to his friend? And I was kind of like, oh, yeah. Uh, that that is odd you know and they're filming it in new zealand like there there's no maori people like there's no there's no native new zealanders like that that there is a little bit of just 20 years ago people weren't thinking uh i would say correctly about these things because there's so much leeway um and i think that that the way that the 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 actor who's playing the um the the african american elf he looks awesome he's like the coolest looking character i think in the series and to to have it be like, oh, that that's bumping for me is is just absurd. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to kind of put that out there and and say, you know, uh, I actually think the show it looks pretty cool. It's pretty surprising. It's one of those weird things where, you know, in showbiz makes no sense. Whereas like, it's definitely not a meritocracy as far as like you have actors that have been in like a million movies and you they can only get like a two million budget for them and then you have people that have like never been at anything and they're the most expensive show ever made but hey it's uh you know jeff bezos said i want them that's the money that's how it goes yeah no i i agree uh, i i will just echo what you said fuck all the racists um i'm actually not that interested in rings of power because again like i said i didn't even particularly like the hobbit movies i love the the lord of the rings trilogy i do think the lack of diversity was a problem in it especially because they filmed it in new zealand and the maori people that they did cast were all orcs uh which is uh not a great not a great look, uh, which I don't think it was intentional on the part of anybody. I think, like you said, just 20 years ago, people just weren't thinking about this stuff the right way. And this show is trying to think about this stuff the right way. It still doesn't look that interesting to me, but it's not because of that. It's just because I I don't know, whatever TV. I mean, I just rewatched Daredevil and love that. And I don't know that I have another TV show in me, you know, after uh, three and a half seasons of, of rewatching Daredevil. But um, but yeah, no. And, and Richard. Richard is just he is just a warrior on Twitter. He just he gets so much shit and he just he keeps getting back up and taking it and taking it and taking it. And uh, I I don't oh, I mean, and I, have you ever seen anyone even score a point on him? No, no. It's, it's the other thing. They all everyone who comes on him looks completely foolish and stupid. And it's like I've never seen a single point made by the racists on these shows about th- these topics. All of their points are complete bullshit. Yep. And this is uh, something else that I wanted to touch on because I saw it again today. So there was a clip going around of She-Hulk and people were trying to dunk on it. And then there's one of Rings of Power going around people trying to dunk on. And I'm sorry, if you're trying to dunk on a TV show and your clip has fucking motion smoothing on, you 100% lose any and all credibility to talk about something looking like shit. If you're fucking TV and even Lee one L dunked on the guy and was just like, yeah, if you've got motion smoothing on, you don't get to say anything. And I, if, if I woke up one morning and tweeted something and the fucking director of upgrade dunked on me, I would simply slink off into a cave and quietly die. <laughs> like I can't imagine that, but yes, uh, Stop trying to dunk on this shit with bad clips. You just look foolish most of the time. Like, uh, the, the ice troll sequence in that is is like unassailably solid. It's good action. It's good CG. It's a cool set. Uh, there's uh, it, it, People just are like, their brains are rotten. 
And they're yeah. like, oh, this is embarrassing. Just because you say it's embarrassing doesn't mean it's embarrassing at all. You fucking absolutely out of your mind. I, I can understand what you're saying about not being interested in these things. It's just to me, from like an industry standpoint, I'm like, this is the most expensive show ever made. Sure. I have to sure. watch it. Yeah. No, the, the biggest thing for me is I just don't, I will watch it eventually. I just don't have it in me to do like weekly television. Like, and I know it's supposed to last like five seasons. We'll see. But, you know, especially I'm, I'm gun shy because Netflix, I know it's not on Netflix, but Netflix keeps canceling fucking shit. And so you invest in something and then it's gone. So I'm, I'm going to wait, but I think I, I feel, re- I feel relieved when it's gone. I'm like, Oh God, I don't have to watch it anymore. <laughs> um, but, but I do think, yeah, from an industry standpoint, it's, it's fascinating to me that this is such a big thing. And by most accounts, people who don't suck, uh, by most accounts, it's pretty goddamn good. Uh, it is pretty good. It is. I, I don't think you can, uh, you know, whatever, everything's subjective, but right. I, I definitely considering, you know, the, I, I haven't actually read too much on the showrunners, but I do know they're kind of famously have never have like any huge credits. They're kind of been behind the scenes people. So from the the pedigree of both that and they didn't stack the cast with, you know, movie stars or anything like that. There's no Sean Bean for like Game of Thrones that you're right. like, OK, at least I'm anchored on that guy. Um, it is it is like, you know, it, it is what's cool. I was making the joke about show business like you don't have to explain to me that foreign pre-sales are not the same thing as, as a tech money series, but it it is, this is what's supposed to happen. You know, like, um, you know, the, the studios and the people that have that money, like they are supposed to put newcomers into these bigger slots so that they can create stars that the rest of the ecosystem can use to get finance. So it's all happening to me. That's all a positive uh, thing on this, but I guess I, I think I'm feeling what you're feeling about this on House of the Dragon. I um and and it is kind of similar in a weird way, is that like I know they have Matt Smith on that, but there's no real Sean Bean star on that one either. Um and it, it's just kind of fascinating. But I I I haven't seen anything on that that's made me go, oh, I gotta I gotta tune in. Well, and my thing is, is I, I I have said this, but I'm not actually not the biggest fantasy guy, like in terms of like classic, like high fantasy. Uh, I'm I'm not I really like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but that's I never read the Wheel of Time. I never I read like one Terry Goodkind book and wanted to drive rusty nails through my eyes. Sorry to Terry Goodkind fans out there. You know, I'm much more a sci fi and action guy than I am a fantasy guy. So I'm already a bit of a at a bit of a distance from all of these shows anyway. But again, I don't care. They all look good. They look impressive it, mm-hmm. and people seem to like them except the racists, you know, and, and I'm not seeing anybody listening. Who's like, well, I watched rings of power and didn't like it. And I'm not racist. That's fine. Great. Everything's subjective. We're not talking about you. I, uh, you know, right, we're not right. talking about, you. we're saying that like <laughs> th- that I, I'm saying, yes, the Peter Jackson films are, especially the original trilogy are, you know, Feats of filmmaking, they're at the top of the craft and they're bel- melding of every discipline uh, over the last hundred years of what it takes to make a movie. They kind of cracked the code on those movies. They are excellent. But like the 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 biggest negative on those to me is the lack of diversity and the biggest positive of the new one is, is the diversity. So if that's the thing you're complaining about, your brain is broken. Your brain yeah. is rotten. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um. All right. Well, I think that's I think that's a good place to wrap up. Um, 
And so, uh, Liam, uh, well, first of all, you can, uh, I will say he will be back hopefully next week, but you can find Vice Victus on Letterboxd being smart and on Instagram being sexy and on uh, Twitter talking shit. Uh, Liam, where can people find you? Uh, Instagram and Twitter at Liam Odin. Um, yeah, just want to shout out again, Chad Law. It was great to have him on. And um, yeah, just looking forward to talking to everybody next week. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Hibachi Justice, Letterboxd at Hibachi Justice. You can find the show on Twitter at A4E Podcast. It's the letter A, the number four, the letter E Podcast. Uh, we do want to thank all of you and shout you out. This week, we crossed over 50,000 total downloads, which I know in the grand scheme of big podcasts isn't much, but for our our little thing uh when i started adkins undisputed i could not even possibly envision having that many downloads so thank you all of you for listening and supporting us and buying our merch and, and all of that sort of stuff um yeah so we'll talk again next week liam love you brother thank you and uh and congrats to you on that fifty thousand. uh because as everybody knows mike is not only the one who started adkins undisputed but actually does all the the dirty work to get this show uh on on your podcast feed every week. Thanks, brother. All right, we'll talk soon.